Hello folks, my name is Jesse Pruitt. You are listening to The Light of Hope. Thank you for choosing to stop by and give us a listen. <clears throat> We're going to finish up chapter 4. Uh, we've been studying in the Gospel of John. We're going to finish the last few verses of chapter 4 and then move into chapter 5. <clears throat> That's going to be our task today. The uh, title of this message is going to be focusing in chapter 5, and it is Christ, the healer of his sheep. And um, we'll discuss that in a moment, but let's uh, let's finish up. We did three parts in chapter 4, and now let's finish these up, because the last that we spoke, uh, Christ was still speaking to the people in that Samaritan city. And after a couple of days, um, because of the testimony of the woman, you remember our our CSAM testimony, come see a man. That's our little acronym for that. She didn't have much theology. She didn't understand a whole lot of things about really nothing about nothing. All she knew was that Christ had peered into her soul and she knew that he knew something. And he told her he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. And she believed him, and then she went and told other people, um, probably in the marketplace, and she told them that, come see a man. Is this not the Christ? I mean, do you, do you think it's the Christ? That's what she's saying. She kind of left that question in their mind. She didn't tell them what to believe. She just kind of let them, let them have a curiosity and come here for themselves. And then we find in verse 40 of chapter 4, and many more believed because of his word, because they asked him to stick around, and he did. <clears throat> so after a couple of days, he was going to depart. <clears throat> and um, then we find that he, in verse 43 of, of chapter 4, after two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. And then we might find verse 44, it said Jesus himself uh, had testified that a prophet has no honor uh, saving his own country. Now, a lot of times we, and I'm just going to make a brush by of this, a lot of times we find people taking that out of context, and uh, I don't want to make this a hill on which I would choose to die, but, um, uh, j- you know, just very simply, I don't want to emphasize it too much. Just don't take that out of context, because a lot of times people um, use that to say, oh, that you can't do anything in your hometown. I mean, nobody's ever going to have any kind. Well, it, the tendency is less and people that you grow up around your own family probably would listen less to you maybe, uh, than they would because they saw you grow up. They know you were just a little, you know, a little snotty nosed kid and stuff like that. And they just know that, you know, that you're just their little brother or their nephew or their uncle or whatever, you know, and they're probably not going to have as much confidence in you as they might would in someone else. Uh, That doesn't mean that we should not try. But what I'm, what I'm saying here is just don't take that as a, as just an emphatic, you can't do anything in your hometown at all, because we know that's not true because here, Christ went on and they received him. And perhaps those were some Galileans that had come and and seen him in Judea. And, um, you know, and now they had decided and they heard of his fame and what had happened uh, over in Samaria. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of different reasons here that um, and because of what he had done in Cana, you know, turning the water into wine. So they did receive him and 
very well. Okay. So just, just don't overemphasize that because that's not the contextual intention of what was stated here. Actually, the, uh, the, the Greek here actually implies that he had testified and not necessarily that he walked across the border and said, Hey, you know, nobody's going to have honor in their own country. That, that wasn't the actual intention here that he had implied that and that he meant what he said. So I don't want to over overemphasize telling you not to overemphasize. <laughs> okay. But anyway, that's, that's the whole idea. Um, just don't take that out of context here. So uh, we find here that in verse 47, that there was a man, a nobleman, who uh, had found him, and and he said to him, um, requesting him to come down to Capernaum. Actually, that was in verse 46. <clears throat> and, he, and he asked him to come to Capernaum and heal his son, because he was the, at the point of death. And then Jesus said something to him in 48 that might, if you didn't, you know, just kind of dig into this a little bit. You might think he was being a little rough with him. In verse 48, he says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Now, we're told that that's the only time in John, uh, in John's gospel that these two signs and wonders um, were used together um, in, in the sense they are in some other places. And it means attesting miracles. And... The word here is like portents. It's a, it's an inexplicable, uh, out of the common order, momentous, calamitous. You know those kind of just extremely um, amazing things, and that that's what he's saying to them. Unless you see something like that, you won't believe. You know what that takes me back to? It takes me to some um, modern day things today. There are many people that just. They they think they haven't been to church unless they go somewhere and something calamitous happens. I mean, just something. Uh, listen, the the spiritual realm is what we need to be focusing on. You you can go to church and and uh, God's going to do some amazing things, and it might not always be seen by the naked eye. Uh, he can do some great things in our hearts and in our lives and change lives. He did so because he told that young man. He said, unless you see something just extremely momentous, you you folks just won't believe. And then he said to him, you know, he said, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him in verse 50, he said, go your way. Your son lives. The man believed. So here, something momentous did happen. Uh, monumentous, I guess we we should say. Um, it, it, it's an amazing thing. You know, we, we, we put things, we put uh we put calibers on things. We, we think everything's got to happen our way. But something did happen. Christ healed that man, and he didn't have to go to Capernaum. You see, sometimes we think that we have to. It always always has to be done the way we think it's got to be done. We, uh, we see a pathway, and God sees way, uh, way larger uh, uh, a picture than we do. So we think... We have only one one possible or maybe two possible ways that we can see something can be done. And the Lord just has a way of showing us that, hey, I don't have to do it your way. I can do it the way I want to. So he told him, he said, just uh, uh, go your way. Your son lives. And the man believed, verse 50, the word that Jesus had spoke to him, and he started off. And he was going down. He met his people. And he asked the 
hour, which it began to get better. And they said yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said to him, your son lives. So see, something wonderful and amazing and out of the common order did happen. And it just didn't happen the way we think it ought to happen. So just let God do what God wants to do. Okay. Now, verse five or chapter five, let's get into chapter five here. We don't want to take the whole thing up here. We're not probably not going to get through the whole chapter. We're just going to take part of this. Now, Jesus, that was at a feast of the Jews, and he went up to Jerusalem. <clears throat> oh, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, we're told, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. Um we're told that means house of mercy. It has five porticos or five porches, and in these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. Now, in verse 4, we have sometimes, and don't get too alarmed because some versions leave these things out. And, uh, the Word of God still the Word of God. And uh, they were waiting for the moving of the water. Uh, for an, it was it was said that the angel of the Lord went down in certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever then first was in and got into the water and stepped in was made well from whatever disease which he was afflicted. Now I, I believe that that's part of the scripture, but uh, some versions leave it out. So just you know, don't get all worked up over it. Just uh, stick with what you know. Okay. <clears throat> now let's get to the to the focal point here. There was a certain man there who had been 38 years in this condition, okay? His whole life, basically. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he'd been that way a long time, he said something. Do you want, do you wish to get well? Or do you, or wilt thou be made whole? Or do you want to be made whole? Or do you want to get well? Now, let's look at a, before we finish this, let's look at a couple of things about uh, a little history behind this. <clears throat> uh, the Sheep Gate, and I'm sure there was a gate there, but um, some ancient writers and early church people mentioned the p- a pool. You know, uh, Josephus mentions um, something that was outside of the wall, and then later, after the time of the Lord walking on on that soil it was actually taken into the wall because there was some um, there was, there was an addition made so <clears throat> at the time of Christ it was just north of the city walls now i used to think i'm just going to confess to you i used to think that bethesda was part of the stream that came from which we're going to find in chapter 9 uh hezekiah's tunnel in the water aqueduct that feeds the pool of Siloam. i can't wait till we get there because i love that i love that chapter and i love all of that background from that and i used to think that bethesda was part of that stream and then it came through bethesda and but that's not actually the way it, that it is bethesda being just north of the city and that in the Old Testament times was actually outside the wall. So originally it was probably there for the cleansing, the washing and the cleansing of the sacrificial sheep. And that's what a lot of people believe. So now at this time it had uh, probably the 
twin pools, because some of them spoke of twin pools. There was an upper and a lower. There was a second pool added. And the scripture mentions here that there were five porches, okay? Five porches or five porticos. Now, there was there's one on each corner, but there's another one that is said to have been in the center. Actually, there was a newer pool that was created, and there's a an older pool, and there's a porch or a portico that's kind of fixed between the two. Now, imagine, if you will, when you're reading about this stuff, that uh, you find that it was originally for, most likely for the cleansing of the sacrificial sheep for for sacrifice. And so now in Christ's time, uh, there's a there's a bridge or kind of a porch or <laughs> I imagine it kind of like a bridge. Um, now it's for washing and bathing more so of people. And these folks are laying around there waiting for the angel of the Lord, you know, to stir that water. And the first person in, you know, gets uh, I mean, they're they're anticipating that. So here Christ comes along and I, I just see all the symbolism and behind all this now we've got a we've got an old uh, uh cleansing of the sheep you know the washing of the sacrificial sheep and now we've got a place where people are bathing in that water and it's it was it was water that was collected from rainfall and that's what it was hezekiah made that and it was intended to be that way uh later on we'll find about you know salome and how that was intended now that was just an amazing thing i can't again i can't wait till we get there but here christ is approaching this man and he has, you you might say, singled him out, and he's saying to them, do you wish to get well? He said, sir, verse 7, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. Okay, so if verse 4 is left out, then uh, verse 7 is talking about something that we can't understand. What's that all about when the water stirred up? Well, if verse 4 doesn't exist, well, then, you know, what's verse 7 talking about here, right? So, Verse 7 here, he said, i got nobody to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. But while I'm coming down, another steps down before me. I'm slow, I'm old, I'm sick, you know, I'm, 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 I'm lame. And Jesus said to him, arise, take up your pallet, and walk. And immediately the man became well and took up his pallet and began to walk. Now, here's the problem here. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. That's going to be a problem for the Lord, I think, as we're going to find out later. So uh, I hope you learned something from this. Um, it was it was kind of a, uh, some crazy ideas here, but uh, I believe it to be true. Um, this was a place of cleansing. And so <laughs> that's exactly what the Lord did. He cleansed his heart. So don't, don't get caught up in miracles and things that you can see as much as... Um, what you know in your heart and what God can do for you in your heart. Now, let, me, let me mention something real quickly that Manly Beasley said a long time ago. I heard him say this, and he, he was telling us about this. People sometimes get worked up about the gifts more so than the giver. And Manly told us the story years ago uh, when he was preaching. He was telling us about uh, coming home from meetings and his children. He always tried to bring them a gift, he said. And he said they would, you know, when they were small, they were excited about the gift. But when they got older, you know what they said to him? They said, Daddy, we're just glad to see you. <laughs> so that was maturity. Uh, Manly always had great things like that to share with us. And um, <clears throat> I think we ought to get a little bit more concerned about what God is doing in our heart 
than we are about signs and wonders. And there's nothing wrong with miracles. Don't go saying, oh, Brother Jesse said there was no such thing. as Oh, don't go saying that. That's not true. What I'm saying is don't let that be the, the centerpiece of your life. Because, listen, we're living in a world here that's uh, it's rough to live in. And, uh, yes, God's going to do some great things. But be more, be more focused on the giver than the gift. Be more focused on the healer than the healing. Let him do what he wants to in our lives, okay? Now, enough for today. I'm going to get out of here. And we'll catch you on the next time. Until next time, I am Jesse Pruitt. You've been listening to The Light of Hope. Show me God's speed and pain.